Well, we're starting a sermon series. A lot of times, uh, some years, I don't start a sermon series until the second Sunday of January because the first Sunday of January, sometimes we're still in a little bit of a sugar fog. Uh, but I decided just the way the weeks fall that I wanted to just get right after it. Uh, the title of the series is The Jesus We Need to Know. And uh, I'll explain a little bit more about that. And we're just going to be looking at Jesus uh, from some of the great texts of Scripture. And this morning, I want to read uh, a very familiar Scripture. I can't even tell you the number of times I've preached on the first 12 verses of Matthew 2. But I want us to think about it, maybe turning uh, the angle just a little bit differently. Uh, Matthew 2, verses 1 through 12. And if you'd stand, uh, I'll read this aloud at this time. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. The title of this sermon series, The Jesus We Need to Know, uh, is entitled that because there are lots of half-truths uh, and non-truths that float around about who Jesus is. Uh, there's lots of confusion. There, there are distortions of the picture of Jesus, and sometimes it's good to look and see what Scripture says, not what folklore has sort of developed. And so the themes for these four Sundays are as follows. Uh, on today, we're going to be looking at uh, baby Jesus the King. And then we're going to be looking next week at the Word, Jesus the Word. And on January 19th, the Lamb of God. And then on January 26th, the light that shines in darkness. And each week, we'll be trying to deal with these questions, including this morning, here are some questions that we're going to look at. We're going to ask ourselves the question, who is Jesus? We're going to be trying to honestly ask that with, and, and listen with a fresh set of ears. 
And secondly, and maybe most importantly, how does culture distort our understanding of him? How exactly does Jesus save us? And what is it that Jesus saves us from? You may think you know the answer, and we all probably know parts of it, but I want us to come with an openness and a curiosity uh, as we try to hear what Scripture is saying. Now, we know that nativity sets, uh, nativity scenes, often picture uh, the shepherds and the animals around the manger as Jesus, the newborn baby, is there. And that also in those nativity scenes, uh, the wise men are there also. But actually, Matthew does not say that the wise men arrived at the same time the shepherds were there. In fact, Jesus may not have been brand new newborn when they arrived because they came from a distance. But that doesn't really matter. What the focus of this story is, how incredible, how unlikely it is that Gentiles from another country, modern-day Iran, would come so far and they would bow down and worship a baby. Now think about that. They would bow down, these Gentiles would bow down and worship a Jewish baby. And to get the, the startling nature of that, to capture the surprise of that, I want us to, I want us to consider, uh, by contrast, the other king in this story, the pseudo-king, the would-be king, King Herod. Because when we look at King Herod, and we look at King Jesus, baby king, we, we see two very different kinds of kings. Let me introduce you to Herod. Uh, when he became king, he slaughtered several members of the Jewish Sanhedrin. The Jewish Sanhedrin was sort of a combination of a supreme court and a high religious council. He didn't want any rivalry. He didn't want any challenges to decisions he made, so he just killed them. Very first thing. He also was known out of jealousy and paranoia to murder members of his own family. Uh, he was uh, full of hate, full of uh, selfishness, full of all kinds of, of uh, political plots and, and schemes. Uh, he was an ill-tempered man to say the least because in verse 3, Scripture says when Herod became afraid, and concerned, all of Jerusalem did too. They were afraid of his fits. They were afraid of the, the craziness that would come when this, when, this, when this king became so enraged. So all of Jerusalem was afraid when he became afraid. He was a, a conspicuous uh, consumer. He was wealthy. He was probably the wealthiest man who lived in his time, in that part of the world at least. He built huge buildings. He built huge arenas. He built entire cities. And yet for all of his success, for all of his political power, for all of his wealth, he still struggled with this insecurity that the Jews had never really accepted him as king. They viewed him as a usurper. And that drove him crazy. He was obsessed with the news that this baby king 
might come and take his power. And we know, not in this passage of Scripture, but later in Matthew 2, that he was so enraged and so obsessive and so insecure that he slaughtered innocent babies everywhere just trying to make sure he'd killed off this baby king, Jesus. Now, by contrast, you think about Herod, who was full of threat and hate and abuse and suspicion, jealousy, power-grabbing, coercion, violence, and murder. By contrast, we have the baby king, Jesus, who was full of vulnerability, weakness, openness, surrender, and love. In fact, the prophecy of him in verse 6 is that he would be shepherd king, a different kind of king. A shepherd king would nurture and tend and support and feed and provide and love and direct a different kind of king. In one of his Christmas sermons, Dietrich Bonhoeffer once said, the great and the powerful are only afraid in two places. They're only, they only lose their courage in two places, at the cradle and at the cross, at the birth of Jesus and at the death of Jesus. And how ironic that at the time and places in which Jesus, the King, is most vulnerable, his birth and his dying, the powers of the world would feel most threatened and insecure. I want you to just step back and think about this story. I want you to consider the fact that the baby King Jesus does not speak any lines. He doesn't give any military commands. He doesn't plot any political strategy. He does nothing. He doesn't have, he's not exhibiting superpowers. One of my favorite animated movies of all time is The Incredibles. You remember in the movie The Incredibles, the, the baby in the family, Jack-Jack? Jack-Jack has these incredible superpowers. When he gets angry, or he feels threatened, he just becomes an inflamed form and he just, he just burns all of his adversaries with, with this exploding uh, power. There's no superpower like that in baby Jesus. He's just a baby. He does not lift a finger nor speak a line in this story. On the other hand, Herod plots, strategizes, orders murders, carries out all kinds of of ideas and yet when the astrologers the wise men from the east arrive whom do they worship do they fall at the feet of king herod or do they bow down in the presence of the baby king jesus isn't that amazing a few years later the Apostle Paul, trying to get his mind around all of this, would write, At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow 
and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The miracle of it all, the wonder of it all. Now, there are all kinds of applications to this marvelous story, and, and one, I think, important warning, especially for our culture, our time, that hero worship is dangerous, that, that making idols out of people we admire is a dangerous practice. You know, whether we, whether we have made an idol out of a, our favorite athlete or our favorite recording artist, or our favorite movie star, or our favorite public figure. One of the things that happens in our culture is that when we idolize success as the world defines success, wealth, possessions, uh, celebrity, when we idolize success, we begin to blur the lines between truth and lie, between right and wrong. And when that happens, a lot of things die in our lives and in our culture. How does Jesus save us? What does Jesus save us from? Jesus saves us from our worst selves, from the ego-driven, power-intoxicated selves. He saves us in powerful ways from our worst selves, and he saves us by pointing us to a different kingdom, a different set of values. He saves us by pointing us to a different king, himself as king, a different, a different world. He saves us by offering us a new definition of success. Let me give you a practical example of that, of what I'm saying. Many of you read uh, the devotionals and the writings of Catholic theologian Richard Rohr. I was listening to a podcast of his uh, some time ago, and he talked about the work he has done uh, with the incarcerated men uh, in our country. Interviewed them extensively, listened to their stories. And he's also done extensive study cross-culturally of, of rites and ceremonies R-I-T-E-S, rites and ceremonies whereby boys are initiated into adulthood as men, whether formal uh, initiation rites and ceremonies or informal. And Richard Rohr says that one of the discoveries he's made when boys are not introduced to vulnerability and powerlessness. When boys are not introduced to vulnerability and being comfortable with a degree of powerlessness, they inevitably grow up to abuse power. Whether they abuse power in spousal relationships, with children, with money, with position and authority. You begin to see how important it is that Jesus saves us from our worst selves and that Jesus saves us from false 
definitions of success. The baby king. Now, one of the amazing things about this story is that there's a little Herod in all of us. Just as Herod, when he sensed a rival king, began to resist. Have you ever noticed that in your own life? That when the authority of Jesus, the lordship of Jesus, is making demands on your life, putting pressure on you about some decisions or some assumptions or some practice or some behavior, when he begins to assert his lordship in your life, like Herod, you begin to resist. You begin to find shortcuts. You begin to say no and find ways to disregard this baby king. And make no mistake about it, this, this sermon this morning is not about some people in the world are like Herod and some people in the world are like baby Jesus. It's not about some people are selfish and hateful and given to violence and some people are vulnerable and trusting. That's not, the, that's not what this message is. This message is we're all some of both. We're all some of both. And to follow Christ is to continually immerse ourselves in this baby king's ways and this baby king's teaching and this baby king's life. So this morning, I'd like to invite all of you to join me in joining the wise men and bow down in the presence of the baby king. If you've never trusted him as Lord and Savior, you've heard strange notions about Jesus, strange ideas, but this morning you're willing to trust this Savior who loves you and wants to offer you life and forgiveness would you bow down before him, admit your need and your sin, and trust him? Invite him into your life. Would you, as someone who's already a follower of Jesus, be willing to place every part of your life under the microscope for examination that the baby king's values and lifestyle might become yours? Let's pray together. Loving God, come among us. Have your way in each of our lives. This is our prayer through Christ. Amen.